Welcome to That Connecticut Show. My name is Terrence Abney, and I am with... Travis Poppleton. Listen to that beautiful voice. I I, want to admit I'm a little jealous, a little envious today. After the last show, my better half listened to it and kept commenting on how nice Travis's voice was and how funny he was, and I didn't get any props. I, I don't know how to reply to any of this, Terrence. Yeah. Where does this go? Uh, I'm here. Uh, you have a, a beautiful <laughs> tenor voice that I think uh, our listeners are very lucky to be listening to right now. I appreciate that. Terrence, uh, you're seeming a little little melancholy tonight. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, let me tell y'all, Travis makes up these words. I say make them up, but I guess they're real words. Like, y'all heard the word last week. Word of, we can have a word of the week every week. Yeah. Melancholy, I, I, we, a lot of people know what that means, but our word of the week last week that we didn't say was bucolic. Yeah, no, that's is, a great word, though. Which is one of my words. I still don't know what it means quite. Something about beautiful landscape, picturesque, but... It, I think I think bucolic was made specifically for New England, and what's funny is I didn't hear it until I came to New England. <laughs> Never heard the word before, and then when I heard it for the first time... It didn't sound like a word of beauty. Bucolic sounds like some sort of disease. Um, in fact, <laughs> where where I heard it was the first time that I saw Hamilton was at the Bushnell, which is in which is in Hartford. Oh yeah. Um, and one of the actresses had done a small interview, and I was just reading up on the cast later on, and they were like, "If you could describe Connecticut in one word, what would the word be?" And she said bucolic, and I thought that's it. That's a terrible word. What does it even mean? So, but then when I looked it up, it's it's something to the effect of uh, quiet and beautiful, beautiful and scenic. And um, I mean, we probably should look up the exact definition, but it's a very appropriate word for here in in beautiful New England, and maybe not so much outside of New England, which is why it was the perfect word for her yeah. to use. Yeah, it does sound like 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 she was gonna say, "What's the perfect word to describe New England?" Like. Botulism. Like, that's what bucolic <laughs> sounds like to me. Yeah. Buco- wait, what's the bucolic plague, right? Bubonic plague. Bu- bubonic, not the bucolic. But the bucolic plague would be much more beautiful. Yeah. People would die thinking, wow, that was the beautiful life I lived. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bucolic plague. Uh, but yeah, I know that's what it, what it sounds like. So melancholy, though, Terrence, I, I know you've heard that word before. Nah, I'm in a good mood. I'm just envious. I'm jealous. And... I've been working. I just got back from PT. My my ankle hurt, but I'm good. I'm ready to do this. Yeah, I think um, for those of you just getting to know Terrence, he's a he's a runner. Like on a on an average day before the injury, how far would you run? Or let's just say in an average week, what would your your set be? Not really many. Like average week when I was really running, I may have run, I would say fifteen to twenty. So just enough to stay in a little bit of shape. 15 to 20 miles. And how fast are those miles? Not very fast. Oh my. I, I don't time myself, though. But I was, yeah, usually around under eight minutes. But, again, not not killing it. So, when, so for runners listening right now, they're going to be like, yeah, that's really not that much. For, but you maintain that for the 15 to 20 miles. Wait, so let's clarify. You're saying 15 to 20 miles in a week, or you would go out for a 15 to 20 mile run? Oh, yeah, I can't do that anymore. That was like younger days when I was forced to in college. Um, like a year ago, right? <laughs> yes. So last year, when I, after, right before I graduated. Yeah. Um, but recently, you've uh, made the fatal decision. Ru- ruptured of the Achilles tendon playing basketball. Playing basketball. And I that's was, on you. 
Yes, I was dunking on them, though, you all. Just to let you know. People cannot stop me. I may look 5'7", but on that court, I'm like 6'10". They call me Shaquille Manil. I was showing off. I was spinning. I was drop-stepping. I, I was doing step-back threes. I was killing them out there. And I went up for this last dunk, not quite from the free throw, but it was from the circle. And, you know, somebody took me out. They were jealous. And then, you know, I had to go get the surgery, but I'm doing well now. I'll be back. No, it's a crime of a crime of jealousy. That yeah, makes absolutely. total sense. I yeah. wasn't there. I've heard I've heard the legends of how well you were playing at the time. Yes, it only gets bigger every time. Right, and that and and it was a dunk. The last, the very last moment, you were mid dunk. I was going up. Yes, sure. it wasn't a dunk. I was going up for it, but I can't be mad. I was, went for like fifty on them already. A little bit more than that, but who's keeping count of? you know, what you score in a pickup game, you know? But on the same note, this happened right before the spring, right before running season starts to pick up. The snow's starting to melt. Terrence is, you know, going outside, dreaming, dreaming of those miles. And then this happens. So I think melancholy is a bit reasonable. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, it might be. <laughs> you know what? Now that we broke this down, I had my session with Travis today. That probably is what's happening. I'm probably crabby because I haven't gotten to run in like months and months and months now. No, I mean, that's got to affect you, right? First summer. It's actually the first summer I missed running in like ooh, double two decades. Yeah, you missed the face, listeners, but it was it was anguish, <laughs> the face that he made. So, no, but that that has to take a toll. That has to mm-hmm. take a toll when that is your, your genuine routine that you do, that your body's used to, and then you just cut it off yep. one year, so... Yeah, I'll be back. You'll be back. What what is the what is the prognosis when you get back? I would say September. In the September, I should be able to start jogging again, jog walk, and then by October, it sounds like I'll be able to do a jog. The big thing is getting the strength back in the foot. That's what they want to focus on. It's hard to get the strength back because you're non weight bearing, so you don't put weight on your foot for about two and a half months. So counting the injury and then. They have you in the cast with your toe pointed out like a ballerina for, for like again that two and a half months, and you just lose a lot of strength in there. So and flexibility. So flexibility is getting back. Strength is getting there. You know. So you'll be you'll be running before the end of the year. Yes, should be. No, that's important. Um, and um, and you'll be running in the best season of the year. And I have to tell you, our listeners, the story that. I was like, Terrence, hey, what should we talk about this week? And he actually writes back and says, should we skip fall and just start talking about the snow? As if anyone, anyone listening to a show about New England wants to not talk about the fall. You're like, maybe we just skip the whole the whole fall. But no, you're, you're going to love it. Once you're out running again, you'll remember why, you know, why fall is so magnificent here in the, in the Northeast. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you all the story one day about why autumn and fall no, has two no, names don't, don't tell the story. <laughs> it originated in in New England. No, usually, <laughs> usually I'm up for a good good long yarn, but not that one. <laughs> we should bury that one for for a long time. Uh, so, all right, misconceptions, Terrence. When you were coming here, and, and and you said one I think last week. I think you mentioned one last week that when you were coming into, you called it the BDL, but Bradley Airport, which yes. is the Hartford uh, Airport. You were expecting Hartford, Connecticut to actually be a city. Yes, because everybody would say you're flying into Hartford. 
Hart, but it's not actually Hartford you're landing in. You're landing in, I think, Windsor. So you got me. I have no, no idea. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. Which is outside of Hartford and not far, but I just thought it would be a bigger, a bigger city. And the airport is actually. I remember getting off the plane, and somebody was coming to pick me up, and they were like, "What do you see?" And of course, I'm in the airport. I look to my look to my right, and I'm like, "Well, I'm at the airport. I look to my right, and I said, I see some maybe mountains." And the I never forget the guy was like, "Those aren't mountains. We don't have mountains here in Connecticut." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, it looks like a really big hill. I bet you if you ran up that thing, whatever I'm looking at, you you used to call it a mountain then." Yeah. But and then <clears throat> I remember driving, well, being driven to the campus, and you kind of pass by what is Hartford, and you go through Manchester, and I'm like, oh, and it's like looks like a Again, like a smallest maybe metropolitan area. And I remember it getting smaller and smaller and smaller the closer we got to the, to stores. And I remember getting off the interstate and being like, okay, this is looking weird. And eight miles up the interstate, which took about, as you spoke about last time, it seemed like it took about 20 minutes from the, from the inter- oh, Those eight miles took 20 minutes. We got to campus, and I was just like, wow, this is a lot more rural than I thought. Right. Like, significantly more. Like, in, it's it's one of those things to where 30 minutes either way still puts you in a really small town, which I, and I, I thought it would be a little, like, you know, I thought Connecticut itself and the area around Hartford would be a little bigger than that. When, um... My, my wife came out here first, which isn't a totally true story, but for the sake of not making this hyper granular, um, my wife came out to this area first. We'll say it that way. Not mm-hmm. out to Connecticut first, but she came out to stores. And she was actually looking for a place because she was coming out here to teach and she had a new job. Um, and she was looking at houses. And I said, all right, so what's it like? Like, I mean, are there some, some winners? Do you have something circled? And at the time, we were living back in Utah and there's this really beautiful canyon that people would drive up to in the evening and deer would be running and there would be these nice rivers, but you would never live up there. It was like you'd was that go the there. Grand Canyon? Or? No, no, it's, okay. uh, it was called, no, I think it was actually called Logan Canyon. Oh, okay. Just... No, no, it's called Blacksmith Fork Canyon. And, and it was just scenery. Like you drive through it just to see the scenery. Right. She said, it would be like if you put your house up there that that's what it would be like living here. And I think it's important to note that the seasons make a big difference here because right. if you're driving through, I think any part of new England, but especially stores. No, I would say any part of new England. That's not a major metropolis mm-hmm. area. I said metropolis. That's Superman. Is it Met- metropolitan. metropolitan? Yeah. But I was following you. I wasn't even going to comment. Yeah. I was, was going to let listen to sort DC that out. fans knew what I was talking about. <laughs> um, any, anyway, um, and you're doing it through the summer or the spring, you don't see your neighbors. There's so many trees. Right. So you have no idea how close you are to anybody else. And so for those two seasons, uh, it feels very isolating. You feel like there's no neighbors. You feel like there's no one near you. And the right. truth is they're actually quite close. It's just the tree, uh, the foliage is, is quite intense here. 
Right. So that's what she was experiencing. She was like, there's no one around. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, I think it's a small misconception. And I think Hartford is actually a pretty cool little city. But right. it's it's nothing like when you think of Hartford, Connecticut, you might think of one of two things. You might think of this really idyllic little New England town, kind of this classic historic. Mm-hmm. It's not that. Or you might think of it more as a city like a Boston or a New York. And it's, and it's not, not that. that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's that was my, again, my misconception or my my thinking of, again, I, I believe I said this last show, between Boston, between New York, and then you got Hartford. And I hear people talk about Hartford um, before I moved up here also, saying like, oh, yeah, like I, at the last school that's up, we had a lot of students from Hartford. And they, and they kind of sometimes trash Charlotte, North Carolina, like, why is it so slow here? Why is it this? Why is there? Why is it that? And so I always thought that was funny coming up here because it made me expect more also because Hartford is not bigger than Charlotte. However, I think it's the that northeast, that east coast type feel that they were talking about because Charlotte is very southern in comparison. Right. So, again, it's a little slower stuff. Did close earlier. And, again, but still, ironically, coming to this part, Stuff closes really early on this end of Connecticut also. So those students who were from Hartford and New Haven while I was down in Charlotte, they had more little local marts and, you know, corner stores and things that would that would be open versus me coming here. I'm, I, I was kind of like, what are these students talking about? Like, right. I'm going to have to go to New Haven and Hartford to actually see this because I don't see this on around here. Yeah. Like, stuff closes at 10. I think this bleeds into my first misconception, which was last week we were talking about how you can drive 15, we'll say 30, 30 minutes from anywhere and be somewhere new. You could be in the mountains, you could be mm-hmm. in a port town, you could be at a castle. And when you say it like that, it sounds like there's a lot that you would see between one place and another. And so my misconception was that if I drove from Connecticut to Maine, right. that I would see a lot. If, you, if you're on the West Coast and you drive up the Pacific Coast Highway, you're going to see the ocean, you're going to see little towns, you're going to go through all these uh, different little nooks and, and curves, and, and you'll see many different, whether it's uh, you know, trees or beach or... Right. You know. But here, I suspect those things are to the left or the right of you, but there are so many trees here that especially if you choose not to take the highway, you don't want to pay the tolls that afternoon. There's no difference from our neighborhood and all the way up to like Bangor, Maine. Right. It, it will look the same. It's just trees. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just trees. So okay. you have to find those little places and they're wonderful when you find them. Like, hey, we're going to we're going to go to the beach. You could be five minutes from the beach and you're not going to see the ocean. You're not going to see the water. You're just going to see trees. Right. The equivalent of the Pacific Coast Highway here on the east, what is it, like the one or something? What is it that goes up? Uh, you got me. Well, if you I, don't I'm know... as good as highway name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely rookies at all of this, so please email us and let us know. But um, there's, a, there's a road or a highway that goes up the coast and you would think, oh, that's going to be really beautiful. Oh, 95? I mean, I-95? God knows. I thought it was the one a minute ago, so I believe you, whatever you say. You can't see it. You can't see the ocean. All you see are trees. Mm. And maybe it's different in the winter. I don't think I've done it in the winter. 
Uh, Terrence is shaking his head. But that that experience of like driving for two hours in one direction, it's exactly the same anywhere you go. Right. Yeah, I-95, this pretty much is the main, one of the main interstates you take, like north to south, south to west. Excuse What's me. the one? North, north to south, south to north, excuse me, not west. Don't get on 90, 95 going west, everywhere, everybody. But you're right. You don't see much along that interstate. You know, once you hit it in the Carolinas, you go through Virginia, you see some, you see some cities. But as far as what you're saying, like that feeling of like you're on the East Coast and this is one of the main veins and it seems like I should see things. Yeah. It's, it, there's... There's nothing. Now, that said, when you get into a town, you're like, oh, this is beautiful. Sometimes, actually, no. And I would say that's the second misconception. When um, when I ask people what they think about New England, especially Connecticut. Um, so, for example, I work with a lot of people across the world. Mm-hmm. And when they're like, oh, where are you from? I'll say New England. And when they say which part, I say Connecticut. I think they immediately think Gilmore Girls. Or they think of, like, those Christmas cards... Um, with this small New England style home with all the candles right. and the windows and or, or some little town where there's a pumpkin farm overlooking uh, the town and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's all candlelit, right? Right. I think when people think of Connecticut and many parts of New England, that's what they think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a misconception. Uh, <laughs> you can right. find those towns and when you find them, they're joyous. But until you find them, it's either trees or, or I would say, sometimes pretty rough neighborhoods if you, yeah. if you make the wrong left turn. And what you just said was just bleeds into what I was thinking about. You know, we always talk about a lot of towns, you know, they're separated by railroad track. And the divide of that social economic divide of like this side of town and that side of town. I didn't realize that that would be so prevalent in a t- in towns so small because like you as you know we're we're in stores connecticut and then wyndham and towns like willamanica are re- re- neighboring and it's like I've, i was amazed when i first got here the difference between the schools just being so close like you have schools in this neighborhood which are you know schools that are rated well pretty good school system and then you get to you know that other side, you get down the street, and this is literally, and if those of you who are from around here know, this is, you could almost run there, I would say, but. You could, at least a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> a year ago I could have ran there. But literally, like, the next the next school system over for us is, like, not ranked well, that doesn't look the same, um, and I, I say don't, physically doesn't look the same. The people, the people, the um, ethnicities change dramatic, dramatically. And I was, again, I was a little taken aback that it was like that here. Cause I see it in other towns. You see it in cities where that divide is, but this is just such a small area and you can still see it here. And then, you know, after learning a little bit more, it made sense for me. It's like through, again, visiting people, reading, and then, you know, I actually took a class and we talked about it a lot about how Connecticut is one of the most segregated school systems in the in the nation. It's amazing because it's like, really? But it's because it's Connecticut itself is such a small state and these towns are so small. You're like, you know, I figured we'd be more together. We're so small. Like how, how are we so segregated? But that was that was a shocker to me just of 
how that divide of the, and I always call it that train track syndrome is here in Connecticut. So I've, I've never heard that. Um, this is the first time I'm hearing that. And, and that's a really interesting thing. I think we're getting caught up here in Connecticut, which we tend to because it's where we live. And, and we do need to branch out in other episodes to, to other parts of New England, I think. But that's really interesting because I wouldn't have guessed that. One, because I see Connecticut as such a blue state, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would imagine that, that any, any efforts to, to remedy that would be on the forefront of, of a lot of political speak. Right. Um, the second thing is, how, how is that possible? There are a lot of states that are, that are just, like Wyoming would be, I think, a, a very high population of white um, people to, to say it's segregated, I guess we'd have to define that because I imagine there are schools in Wyoming that are 100% white. And I would be, I'd be surprised and shocked if that were the case here in Connecticut. Sorry yeah. about Wyoming. Any Wyoming listeners, I don't know if that's true. That's a total stereotype, but go ahead. My uncle is a principal at a school in Wyoming, so. Oh, I, I apologize. All <laughs> no, right, you know what I can a, say. I that's can't... a joke, everybody. Oh, okay. I've never been, never been. <laughs> Um, I know that uh, there was a statistic recently that Utah is like 92% white or something. Right. So when we say segregated, what? how are we defining that? Like intentionally or by just the, the demographics? Socioeconomically and, um, and ethnicity-wise, you know. Um, and intentionally is a hard word to say, but I would say yes, intentionally is but uh, you see the patterns that happen in other in other cities, you know. As they call, it, some people call it white flight. But I think it's the money piece of as they start trying to integrate schools more. You start seeing parents who are able to take their kids out of the schools and some of that. And I'm and I'm being very, I guess I would say blasé or paraphr- very much paraphrasing of like a this is a quick summary. Those parents took their kids out of schools as they got browner, or as lower socioeconomic students start coming in and putting their kids in other schools, and the the people who couldn't afford it didn't do that. So there's a big thing where schools in Hartford, especially if I name specifically Hartford, they do a lot of advertising trying to bring people into the schools because there's actually a lot of good schools in Hartford that specialize in things like science and STEM. But they do a lot of marketing there, trying to bring trying to bring students in. And I say students trying to bring, get a quota of, you know, high socioeconomic and white students into the school. So, and not trying to give y'all a history lesson or a school lesson, but that's just how it is. And so, again, what, one what else things, are we talking about surprised. here? If we're not talking about the history right. of New England, yeah, no, yeah. keep, but keep I was, going. Again, I, yeah, I was just very surprised even hearing it um, and a class I was um, partaking in, it was just interesting just hearing that and then hearing people talk about their experiences with it. Because again, not one of those things I would have thought, especially when you hear about Connecticut and it being one of the richest states and things like that. But then later on, you always hear, and I always thought this is a tough one because they always say the the gap between the wealthiest and the poorest is really large here in Connecticut. I just... I think that one's just awkward because if you have one of the richest states, I was like, I don't know how poor, when you're poor, like $0 a year, $0 a year, like anywhere. So it it seems natural that that gap is going to be the highest in the richest state. But I think they're talking about it in those terms also, just where money is placed and, you know, how we, 
how we spend it on certain areas and don't spend it in other areas and specifically i guess in in schools i've never heard of the term white flight but it does remind me um maybe two weeks before i left uh the state of utah i was in an office in salt lake city and um someone was like hey you're moving to connecticut and i was like yeah and he was like oh i've lived there for years i was like oh tell me about it thinking that i was going to get actually let me give you kind of the back and forth here. So this person, I was thinking he was going to give me because I was moving like the best case scenario and you're going to love it. And he was like, you know how in Utah it's a nice town and then a nice town and then a nice town and then a not so nice town. It's kind of reverse in Connecticut where it's like not so nice town, not so nice town, not so nice town. And then you find this little, little gem of a city that you stay in. Uh, which, by the way, I don't think is entirely accurate, but I would see why why he would say that, why that would be his um, perception. And I do think that there's a, we've talked about this before, the wealth in Connecticut is very content mm-hmm. to stay wealthy in, in specific areas. Um, and in fact, I, I feel like, and this is absolutely this new take in New England thing, because I don't have enough experience here, but in the the little experience that I have, when I look at something like West Hartford next to East Hartford, it's like, why are those two right next to each other? Why is there so much money in one part of Hartford and then not so much over here? Why is Hartford itself not trying to do what it can to make Hartford fantastic as opposed to having pocket neighborhoods? Right. On that note, have you ever heard of what West Hartford called Weeha? <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> okay, so I just heard this. Uh, a friend of mine has a friend who lives in Weeha, quote unquote. Uh, and I think it's like uh, her attempt at making it sound like a, a cool, like New York kind of neighborhood. I've never heard it before. Don't, and don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, I was trying to verify because I, that's exactly what I said to her. I'm like, I've never heard that, but I'm not the person who would hear that. Uh, and she's like, yeah, yeah, she lives in Weeha. And I was like, uh, yes. I don't know. Tell them that's not cool. I'm sorry, West Hartford. <laughs> that's that's not cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess I'm a little older, but I'm telling you, that's not. It's not going to catch on. Now, on the flip side, that was that was uh, some kid in in Salt Lake. Uh, I was recently in Ireland, and I was in a little town called Kells, which is honestly probably one of the coolest towns I've been to. See, Kells is a good. Is it a nickname? Or that's the actual town. No, it's the town name. See, that's what I'm talking about. Weeha, no, not so hot. Kells, Kells I, is... I feel like I can rock in Kells oh, yeah, all yeah. day. Yeah, and you would. It's 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 that kind of town. Actually, it's not. It's like this totally quiet, historic town. Um, um, it's probably where I'm from in Ireland. I'm, I am 2% Irish. Uh, Terrence and I found out we're both Irish, and uh, we've really bonded over that. Uh, but there was a woman in, there's like a Kells Museum, and, and the big thing there is the Book of Kells was written I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but uh, I was talking to the woman who keeps the museum alive and well, and I was like, oh, I'm from Connecticut. And she was like, I grew up in Connecticut. It's a small world. And it is, right? And uh, her her take on it was exactly the opposite. She loved the small town feel. She remembered it just being such a beautiful place and the Christmases here with the snow and the uh, the the houses with the candles in each of the windows. So, so perception is perception, right? Right. Um, and our misconceptions are probably even slightly off. And there's probably people listening to this thinking, uh, you didn't get it right. Like your mis- your first impression was more correct. You've just had a bad experience. Um, but as we're talking about misconceptions, all we have is our own experience. Yeah. So, and 
it's funny going into people uh, you as you were mentioning like people you've met i was thinking about that's another thing i i don't know if this is appropriate to say it's a misconception but i was surprised that people who i've had this before but people don't mind seem to mind talking about what they have whereas i feel like Here? people yes okay in connecticut and i oh the people some people i've met again just in general in this area and so i th- always thought that was funny of like huh that's interesting i don't know if that's the first thing i would tell people upon first meetings and and what i mean by that like i met people who are talking and they're like yeah well my parents own or we own this big plot of land and we have all all this livestock and then we have a yacht and sometimes we just go out on the yacht and chill out and you're like wow <laughs> but then other people around are talking like yeah yeah so but I, I obviously can tell i'm just i'm even new to middle class money which by the way if you're middle class no you might know that's not that much and i'm not i guess i'm just not used to this wealth thing because other people around would be talking and i was like oh this is what it means to be in these conversations sometimes and they're going here there and i think i was a little taken aback at just a how many people people either knew that lingo or maybe just how much of the lingo I actually didn't know when it comes to just like having things or having certain types of wealth and, you know, and people just talking about it like that. Cause I, I do know people who are well off back at home in other places. It doesn't seem to come up in first conversations or passing by conversations. And I think, no, it's almost like you have to find it out. Right. And then it's like, you found out some secret, like, wait a minute, you have money. Yeah. yeah. Hey, y'all, you didn't tell me y'all own all these stores right here. It's like, oh, you never asked. No, but there are conversations. I know exactly what you're talking about where kind of the lead is, oh, we own this property and this property and my return is like, I like DC more than Marvel. Like, I, I don't really know where I fit in in this conversation, but I'm confident uh, I have no return for what, what property I own. I feel like we were together one time when this happened. Yeah, yeah it was I, actually. I'm thinking once, probably of exactly the same yeah. conversation. And I've had a couple. The yacht was a was one I've had before with some people. But, yes, I, I think the one, and I think that one was probably a good one. So Travis and I occasionally will get out and walk together. Um, you probably heard us say before, especially if you heard some of the pilots, that, you know, we have a nice neighborhood, which it was more sidewalks, which – Another thing I thought, but I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. Maybe yeah, the, the terrible misconception that there are sidewalks, uh, that that yeah. was hardly something we should have been uh, surprised yeah. about, but keep going. Yeah, remind me to jump back <laughs> on that point. But we, so we meet people along these walks and, you know, fairly nice neighbors, I would say. Some of them are fairly nice to really nice. But more than one time, and I'm going to name the specific time, we've had people just start talking about what they have and what they own. And I think one time we were talking about, was it deer or a deer head or something like that? Yeah. And the person started saying like, well, yeah, I don't know, because I own like a lot of land over here. And matter of fact, I own all this land y'all are walking beside and this land. And it had nothing to do with the conversation, really. I was like, oh, what does that have to do with the the deer, the deer head? And by deer head, I mean somebody had found, found a pointed deer head with like, the nine, I think, well, 12 points on it, but... Beautiful story about a beautiful deer head. Yes. Yeah. And we were, it was, you know, kind of taken aback because I'm like, he, does this have something to do with, nope, he's just telling us he owns the land. 
not even the land we were, we were walking by it. We we're on a public road. You would think that we were. Walking I know. On I, his I lane. did actually. I was double checking like around. Like, wait, are you hinting at something? Um, but so. it's. It's. I. I would say there's. This is mine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was that though, right? Like, I feel like it was more of a family history thing, or, yeah, where the where the this family from this area. It was almost like a. It was very natural. It was very natural, and just a flow of the conversation for everybody else around us. Yeah. Except me and you. Yeah, I think clearly. Um, yeah, I. I would say if there was money anywhere near me, people don't like to bring it up because it kind of alienates anyone who doesn't have money so in most i would say all of my conversations and i grew up in in la there's a lot of money really there no. and uh i didn't necessarily know like until i went to a friend's house like oh you have significantly more money than i do but right. you would never know just in in passing conversation here i don't know if it's a it might be a status thing i'm actually trying to look at this very optimistically um but at the same time i think there's a lot of heritage and family pride and like oh we right. uh you know our our family settled that area or we own this area it, it might be some of that the yacht the hey i spend every weekend on my yacht i don't know i think maybe there's a, a a conversation here where that's nothing to be ashamed of right maybe it's not a pride thing and maybe what we're used to terrence is this place where wealth is kind of shamed and here it's just as normal, right? I would just as soon tell you I have a yacht and expect us to still have the same conversation as I would that you find out one day and that's weird. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Shooting from the hip here. Not sure. They didn't invite me on the yacht either. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they had it. That's the... Well, it's funny. I, I do have another friend who has a um, who has a boat. And so... And I've had people since then tell me, like, you know, I, I have a boat. And so now I always wonder, like, what kind of boat you have? Right. <laughs> is, this a, is this a boat, a fishing boat? Um, but I did finally get to go out on Long Island Sound on, on the I boat. still haven't so, been there. But actually, I have a, I have a major should. question. This is not a New England question. Um, and we'll come back to sidewalks in one second. Oh, yeah. But this is something I can't wrap my head around. There are people who refer to Long Island in a negative way. That was probably that conversation we yeah. were having. <laughs> yeah. And then there are people who refer to Long Island in a very, um, you know, prestigious way. Like, oh, yeah, I live out on Long Island. And sometimes, at least in my experience, sometimes that's a very good thing. And sometimes it's a very bad thing. Do you have any any way of helping me understand the, the intricacies of where you are or not living in Long Island and how... Long Island can be used in both ways in the same conversation. So my best interpretation, and anybody from Long Island or from New York, you hit us up and let us know. But my interpretation has always been the very the basic way I can break it down. The closer you are to the city on Long Island, that's like, oh, you are kind of from the city and you don't have as much loot the further out you go get a little more wealthy um and what they call the hamptons and things like that further out you go that's where you get to those places and so i think that's where it starts being like there's a pretty pretty big divide of wealth on like long island itself there there's a ferry that goes from new haven connecticut out to long island correct yeah would that be going to the nicer part of long island 
I, I've never taken it before, to be honest. I've, uh, I've I, heard of Fire Island, which is part of Long Island, and I've heard of that as like a destination, a vacation mm -hmm. place that you would want to go. Right. But like you, you were just saying, there's also just times where Long Island means, oh, you're, you're living out there. That, mm -hmm. you, you didn't make it. You ended up on Long Island. Right, yeah, and that's uh, that's when I would go back and say, like, people hit us up to let us know, what, you know, what is your experience or what do you know? And I've met, it's funny you say that because I've had students and things from Long Island, and if we were around other people, they'd be like, oh, you're from Long Island? They'll be like, oh, not that part. They, they always think, hang on, what, what, what part? Where oh, are you not from? That part. <clears throat> the thing is, like, how could there be a bad part of Long Island? It's all right there in the ocean. Like, everywhere you would look seems like it would be scenic and beautiful so that's why it's always been interesting i i assumed all of long island would have been prime real estate just because it's oceanfront right yeah I, you know who knows good questions I, again the assumptions seem you know fair yeah but yeah but again part of long island is really you know the parts that are really close closer to the boroughs because long island is not considered one of the as you know it's not well as you may not know long island know. is just not one of the five boroughs know. and again I know people from New York probably roasting me right now, boroughs. But um, <laughs> you know, there's part of Long Island that is again a lot closer to Brooklyn, Queens. Again, matter of fact, Brooklyn is considered, if I'm not mistaken, is considered to be kind of on Long Island. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. Um, I've I've heard that as well. By the way, I feel like there's um, you know how people come out about certain things. I feel like we're we're kind of pushing all of our pride to the side to do this show because coming out and admitting we don't know any of these things really <laughs> I think people immediately are shaking their head and other people are like you don't you don't admit that you don't admit that you don't know those and things thank y'all if you're still listening to you thank you for not clicking out yet yeah thanks hey, for not clicking again, out and we'll welcome you all if you come up and call us we'll call you know we'll have you on we, we tell will. us what you think yeah tell us tell us why we're we're idiots for not already knowing that but i have a feeling there's a small segment that's secretly like all right i'm not going to admit this i'm going to let them admit this right and see where that goes um so for those of you who are listening in secret uh you're you're among friends here yeah, yeah indeed indeed i agree and well, sidewalk. So that's another thing. <laughs> yes, sidewalk. So I, I, I stayed on a campus when I first got here. So running on campus is a little different. But people always say, yo, some beautiful trails, which there are some nice trails around here. They're not really running trails, but some nice trails. But people always say, also, there's some neighborhoods back here. There's some places you could go where we say it would be one. You know, and even once I moved to the neighborhood we're in, they say, like, yo, go run down here. Go here. <clears throat> Yo, this is one of the most dangerous places to run in the world. And I still do it, but running running on the roads here was like playing football, head on a swivel. <laughs> Make sure this car does not come out and crack back me because the roads, at first, we're not running on straight roads here, which, okay, I could get over that, but... I'll, you feel like this is supposed this is supposed to be a walkable area, to where you can walk to different stores, walk to different different neighborhoods, and people build it up like this. We're not that far from some things, and no, you will be walking in a car coming. You're going to be standing in the grass getting ticks <laughs> because there is nowhere to go. So again, that part was surprising to me because how do you enjoy? the nature and the bucolic scenery 
of these towns when and the, and this is just not in this corner like being going around other areas and even going up in the other states like we've been to Vermont we've been to some parts of Maine I've seen this going through some of these neighborhoods where it's a lot of these places where you would think would have nice sidewalks so people can walk and get along and see things hey ain't no sidewalks and I do mean it is I say ain't because it's a strong no ain't no sidewalks but you will get hit if your head is not on the swivel you it's just it, it's an interesting thing yeah and it's it's something that you should be able to explore recreationally it's something that i would have imagined the cities would make a priority like mm-hmm. hey we want bikers here we want walkers here because what what more pride do we have in new england than how beautiful it is um but it seems almost antagonistic to those people and and comically what you'll see is uh, on a very, very narrow, twisty road that's supposed to allow for two cars to go by, but right. just barely does, you'll see a sign that says something like, look out for runners. Like, that's going to make any difference at all. Like, that sign is the one thing that's going to save your life. And the biker signs, too. Yeah, I see exactly. <laughs> and, and Share the road. <laughs> when, you're, when you're driving, well, first of all, you can't. There's just no room. I saw, I was coming back from Yukon one time, and the whole cross-country team or what I assume was the cross-country team was just out for a run and it was it was that was it like you were just following them because there were so many there wasn't really like a, a path and it was like when there's all those birds together and they make mm-hmm. those formations and dive and stuff right. um, you kind of had to <laughs> wait for one of them to realize what was going on and then lead the herd to to look a certain way so you could pass when another car was trying to but when you see the bikers when you see the walkers or when you're one of them uh, but especially if you're driving, like my first reaction so many times is like, what are you doing? Right. And then my immediate second reaction is, oh, you, you know, you're, you're risking your life here and there's nothing you can do about it. There's no sidewalk for you to walk right. on. Um, so it's, it's, it's anger and then compassion mm-hmm. very, very quickly as a driver. Yeah. I always feel bad when I speed even slightly and then I see somebody, I'm like, oh my goodness, I better slow down. I better slow down. I could have really hurt them. <laughs> like, it, which, again, that's why it takes so long to get places. Yeah, for <clears> sure. <throat> C- casino, that's another thing. Because when they tell me about, and I heard about this before I came, like there's a casino not far from here. And that's the thing. A lot of stuff is actually mileage-wise not far. And that's what hit me. But these are some of these drives are just very hard drives. Like getting to New York. So I stay about 150 miles. Well, my mother says about 150 miles from Atlanta, Georgia. Pretty much getting to Atlanta is going to take you right at two hours. You get on the interstate, you go. Sometimes a little more, sometimes, you know, a little less if you're pushing it, but right at two hours. New York City, it was 145, 150 miles around that. I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to point to me and then guess and a number. I've got no idea. I was well, I about, was as interested in this story as anyone listening. Oh, that's about what it is. But getting to well, getting to New York is one thing. Getting to a spot in New York City is going to be three hours, basically. Like I've never really driven a place and gotten there in much less than three hours. And I think the casinos, the casinos like 15 miles from here. It's not far. 20 miles. The casino takes 45 minutes to get to. <laughs> All right, so I just looked it up. From Hartford to Manhattan is 112 miles. 
Right. It's the unbalanced And the bottom. estimation is two hours and 15 minutes. Which I, I feel like that's not true. I think once you hit New York, uh, I, I think that's not accounting for traffic at all. But but I hear what you're saying. You're saying from Hartford, yeah, and I'm thinking just even from here. Yeah, from it, here it would it, be, yeah. You're going to take 20 minutes to get to the interstate. Uh, and then the speed limits are just the roads are small and speed limits are slow. Yeah. Going to the casino from here, it's a whole bunch of 30 mile power, 35 mile power speed limits that, you know, again, and I think what I didn't realize was the lack of, you're not just jumping on the interstate here and going to places most of the time. You're jumping on a small highway and then touching on the interstate at some point, and then at times getting back on another small highway to, excuse me, highway to get to your destination. And that just, that blew my mind a little bit as far as just hearing what's nearby. Casino's the best example because it's it's really not that far. Right. But it's a it's an hour and it seems like other places it shouldn't take an hour but then you realize the back roads get you yeah and i'd like to ring that point home like you think you're getting on a highway or or a freeway you think you're getting on a freeway from here to and i'd say boston maybe is a little unique but even boston and what you end up doing is getting on something that looks like a freeway for about 15 miles and then out of nowhere like does practically a u-turn in the right lane and then you're back on the main road going through a small little town right. at, at 25 miles an hour. There are, if you're going to try to do the highways, you're going to pay for it through the tolls. Not here in Connecticut, but as you go up to any, any other state. Mm-hmm. And even then, um, these are not necessarily highways you would think, oh, yeah, this was worth the money. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these people are paying private money to keep these highways nice. And they're, eh, they're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not winning any awards for best highway in the United States. But outside of that, if you're just taking like the the public roads, you're in and out. You're never just on a straight highway to your destination. It's it's in a small town and then back on something that maybe has two lanes and then right. back to a one lane. Uh, it's it's a bit interesting starting to navigate here, especially for the first time. Mm-hmm. Met- Another, uh, I go to a sports reference really quick. Misconceptions, if we're still on that, we so are. It's our yeah, whole theme. We have we have a couple of minutes. Coming to New England, and and I say New England specifically because I'm thinking about the Patriots, but also still thinking about Boston Red Sox. Thinking about the Boston Celtics, the hockey team, the the Bruins. I thought, and this is this could be mainly because we're on this southern end or the bottom end of um, New England also, being in Connecticut. But I still thought, even throughout, when I meet people from Maine and different places, I thought most people would be pulling for all the New England teams. And there, a lot do, but I had no idea that so many people would also be like Jets fans, Giants fans, and a ton of... And I guess you do get a, a lot of that New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox rivalry, and the Boston New York teams in general go at it here a lot. But I just thought that New England would be the pride and joy, like because you're New England. I found out, like, oh yeah, we do have a lot of people who come here from New York and other places, and they don't they don't root for these teams. And so I I just thought that was funny because getting here, and since I've been living here, well I guess you too, like. 
the New England teams have been really good. I mean, yeah, surprisingly so. Right, and just to just to hear like, you know, I you know hear somebody say like, I can't stand the New England Patriots. You're like, really? Where are you from? And they'll yeah. be like, <laughs> Vermont. Like, right. well, who do you pull for? Because <laughs> there's, you know, no knock. I, I don't know if there's no Burlington Raiders from Vermont. <laughs> you know, so it's just funny. But again, just hearing those sports dynamics were funny to me because again, I'm I'm not familiar. I um, I'll take a lot of lifts or Ubers in my time, especially if I'm in a new area, and um, there are many sports fans driving that you end up talking to. And what you find out is, or at least what I've found out in these very, uh, my data points aren't, you know, across the board. So maybe these are very isolated incidents, but it seems like what your dad liked has a very large influence on what you like as a sports Touché. fan. Touché. Um, so I was talking to one driver just recently who was mentioning the teams he liked. And I'd be like, oh, you know, like, when did you start deciding that you like them. It's like, oh, no, no, no. My dad told me we like this team, <laughs> and I've been a fan ever since. Right. And so I think, again, like with the with the kind of family heritage here, I think there's a, a lot of pride and a lot of commitment to family here in, in maybe a way that's unique to other states right. as well. Winning has made New England fans obnoxious, I feel. Maybe y'all were obnoxious before, but this whole winning thing went to y'all head. And we, we should come back to this. I don't know that we have enough time to talk about it, but there is a Netflix documentary right now on the on the Danbury Trashers. I Googled that after you told me about it, yes. Yeah, I don't know if we can devote a whole show to it, but I know that there are people who are learning about Connecticut for the first time through that Netflix documentary. And because of that, I feel eventually we should come back and have the conversation. Um, I think, tell you what, it's your reading or homework assignment Sometime in the next two or three weeks, watch it, and then we'll do an episode on it because I think it's a really fascinating look at not just sports here in New England, um, but in organized crime here in New England and politics in general. It's a really fascinating kind of expose um, on on a lot of the socioeconomic things that are happening here. Right. Yeah. yeah but but get, not tonight. I don't, I don't think it's the right it time out. today. I, I definitely got to check it out, too. But reading about it, it is fascinating. And I realize they still sell swag from the damn Barry There, there are like, people who love that team, <clears throat> uh, at least according to the documentary. There are some some yeah. very dedicated fans. Yeah. I don't think I'll buy a jersey right now, but after I watch the documentary, I'll <laughs> make a decision. That's that's also the thing about here in sports is I don't feel like they last long. The Patriots, you know, they've been around. But all of the minor league teams or what was the other hockey team, the Hartford um, Whalers. Whalers, yeah. They're beloved. People love that team, and then, but they're not here, right? Like I don't know yeah. what it takes to survive as a as a minor league team here right and now. They were, we well, have, they were NHL, I do believe, though. Were they NHL? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that that seems like an even bigger loss. Yeah. Uh, also, it comments on how little I actually do know about here because what's funny is I love their logo, and then what I realized is if I wore a, a hoodie. Or a beanie with the logo, people would like give me a nudge or a wink, like, like "Hey, it's yeah. kind, it's kind of like the Jeeps, right? When you uh, when you're in a Wrangler Jeep, you, you they beep at each other. That's kind of I, I didn't I didn't know Jeeps did that. I felt like a total imposter 
because if anybody had asked me a follow-up question about the team, I would have known absolutely nothing. But I also knew, like, even going into restaurants, waiters would be like, oh, whalers, right? And yeah. they're like, oh, heck yeah, the whalers. Because <laughs> I'm sure heck yeah is a really common uh, common phrase here in in Connecticut. I'm bringing it. That, that's the, yeah. that's the thing I'm, I'm I'm bringing from the West. Yeah. And we should definitely touch on that. There is a little, you know, little brother syndrome. And you, I think I sent you the article. Oh, with Connecticut in general. I see, yeah, with, with with New England in general. Oh, okay. And just where places are at, because in different cities, because of course New England is in the excuse me, New England Patriots are in the Boston area. But I sent you the article that New England Patriots were also looking at. Right, you know, they almost came here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, hey, and that's, that's always debated when I talk to different people. Almost, like, right, yeah, sure. That could have been that nugget they're dangling, you know, outside of Foxborough. Like, we'll leave. Yeah, we're not really going to leave until y'all to give us what we want. Yeah. And so that's, you know, goes into that little brother syndrome because, you know, and that would have definitely changed the whole dynamic of, what we know, if we had a guy here and the New England Patriots were actually here. Oh, yeah, it would have changed that, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Terrence and I have talked about, I'm not sure Terrence is totally sold on this idea. Uh, we have talked about doing a show live from the the Big E. Is that what it's called? Yes. I mean, it was practically an eye roll as he realized what I was talking <laughs> yes, about. Yes, so I, I had to think about I've never <laughs> been to the Big E. People talk about it. When when I first moved here, we were talking to our real estate agent, the only people we knew in the entire area. And we're like, so what do we do? Like, what are some, some things we should look forward to? And they were like, oh, you need to go to the Big E. But it was right before the pandemic. So I think they had it that first year. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't have it for several years. And now it's starting to come back. And I think it was like back last year in a smaller capacity or whatever. But my understanding is it's... Um, there's representation from each state in in kind of a big state carnival or state fair kind of tradition. Yes. And each state is represented, and there's some old-timey fun there, Terrence. That is what I've heard, too. Is that why you're rolling your eyes? You're not into uh, corn mazes and, and uh, pumpkin growing contests? Corn mazes are very dangerous, first of all, people. <laughs> Let me tell you that right now. You go in the corn maze and get lost, you never find your way out. Those, those horror movies are true. Second. Wait, I've not seen that horror movie. I want that list. It's going on the website. Keep going. Second. Are there rides at the Big E? I, I have no idea so, what the Big E is. I, again, I've never been. I hear about It's a big foodie place, so a lot of people go there and always talk about the food, the place. And maybe I should uh, shout out to my to my man here who always talks about the lack of barbecue places that he's seen in New England in general. and But... Maybe the Big East place we should go get that. But I'm also not in the fairs. When I go to think about fairs, I think about carnival rides that are put up in a day that I don't want to get on because it seems so dangerous. So no, Those are scary. <laughs> There's an ex- extra element of fear. Like going on a roller coaster comes with some level of fear. But you know that some engineers have looked at those tracks and have some idea of how they work. Exactly. The, the rides that go up at a carnival or a state fair are... are are a little less... Uh... They've never thrilled me, and that's one of the things I think about because <laughs> the State Fair back at home in South Carolina we used to go to is one in, is one in Columbia, there's one in Aiken, South Carolina, and that one is closer to me. I was just never thrilled about going and then 
Those things are taking you and they're spinning you. I, I, I was literally scared for my life. Not scared of the ride. Like, I've been to Six Flags. And yeah, right. ah, oh, no, we're twisting. <laughs> you feel pretty good. Yeah. I, you know, in other rides, the places, like, I feel like really it's just like those rides are built to really scare you because it's like, oh, no, they built this 48 hours ago. And yeah. <laughs> who's tested this? I, I, I build something from Ikea. And I don't trust it because I did it, right? Like you, you do the little Ellen key thing and you're like, all right, I, I think you can bear weight. I don't know. Uh, so I, I take that and, subs- and ascribe that to those rides. Like it was just somebody there with a the wrench. Like I'm pretty sure this bolt's tight enough. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're going to spin around and they fly. We got the right head. angle yeah. this time, I'm pretty sure. Right, this time, this time. So, yeah. but, but I will say I'll take the challenge. I'm down to go to the Big E. We'll record from there get you all the exciting footage from the oh, biggie man. there's nothing about your expression that's sincere at all you're like i'll do this in the same way that i mow the lawn every week but i am not happy about it i'm happy mowing the lawn actually now because i'm paying somebody <laughs> to do it because i couldn't mow the lawn this summer because of the because of the achilles so yeah uh tell you what if you've been to the biggie uh, send us info at Connecticut.show. Send us uh, your suggestions or your ideas that are that's going to convert Terrence. Uh, if I do drag him down there for a show, what thing do we need to do? Rides are out. He's not going to go on any of the, oh, that, of the shaky rides. Uh, but tell us the other things. What are the other things we should look for? What is a, a special attraction or a food that we need to, to keep an eye out for? And and we will do maybe, maybe I'm not committing because I'm seeing the expression, but we will continue to discuss possibly doing a show from the Big E, which I think is uh, just in a week it's or two, the isn't corner, it? Yeah, September something, I'm early t- September. I am down, you, and I'll go with you. I, you know what? I owe a lot of students and a lot of people a trip to the Big E because I feel bad because people say you're gonna go, you should go check it out there, and I'm always giving them the right, right. I'm going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that sounds good. As right. y'all notice, I don't even talk like that. That's how my voice goes when I tell him, yeah, 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 man, that sounds great, man. I'm going <laughs> to do that now. I'm, I'm going. I'm a, hey, 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 I might see you there. I ain't, I'm not going. I didn't see anybody at the Big E. I've never been. Yeah. So. Uh, with that, uh, huge thanks and shout out to Bomb Bomb Vivant for the intro and outro music. The song Thank you. is uh, Hard Day Living When You're Dead. If you want to look it up on iTunes, fantastic song. And, and frankly, everything they do is really, really good. Uh, Terrence, anything on the, on the way out? Why don't you leave us out? Hey, it's been a pleasure, everyone. Thank you for listening. If it's more than two of you, thank you twice as much. We love y'all. <laughs>